Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This week on Parts Per Billion, what is environmental racism? What is the EPA doing about it? And could it have contributed to the Flint water crisis? Hello and welcome to Parts Per Billion, Bloomberg DNA's bi-weekly environmental policy podcast. I'm your host, David Schultz. After almost eight months, the official presidential declaration of a state of emergency in Flint, Michigan, finally came to an end a few days ago. But things there still aren't totally back to normal. For example, Flint residents still can't drink any unfiltered tap water. The dust has not fully settled in Flint, but some people are now beginning to look back and try to figure out who or what is to blame for the crisis and who should be held accountable. One area that's been receiving some attention is the EPA's Office of Civil Rights. Bloomberg BNA reporter Rachel Levin recently published a two-part series that looked at a lot of the problems the offices have been having, especially when it comes to responding to complaints from the public. We spoke with Rachel about what this EPA office was created to do and about what its role is or maybe should have been in the Flint crisis. One of the key functions of the office is to make sure that there isn't discrimination or discriminatory practices or discriminatory impact. And that can span a lot of different laws, but one of the laws is the Civil Rights Act. That includes Title VI. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act basically bars any entity that receives federal funding, which can be a state environmental agency or even a private entity, from using that money in a way that would cause a discriminatory impact or would be intentionally discriminatory. So basically, it, it's the, the role of this office is to say, the EPA can't discriminate against anyone, and anyone that the EPA gives money to can also not discriminate against anyone. Yes, and that's specifically under the civil rights law. It means not discriminating against anyone based on race, color, or national origin. Um, so that doesn't include things like income level that are commonly associated with environmental justice. So uh, one of the things you reported on is when this office receives a complaint, it takes a pretty extraordinarily long time to investigate this, uh, these complaints that they've received. What's going on here? Like, How long did they take and, and why are they taking so long to look into these complaints? That's a really good question. Um, and that can range. So some investigations will take a matter of years or even maybe months in certain situations. But some investigations have actually taken more than 20 years. It isn't clear why these investigations take so long. There are concerns that they're not being executed efficiently or effectively. And a bunch of different organizations have looked into this. Deloitte actually did a report on the EPA's Office of Civil Rights in 2011. And 
the Center for Public Integrity did a wonderful investigation of the Office of Civil Rights just in 2015. And it seems like the reasons really range, but the result is the same, that justice or definitive understanding of what's going on in these situations are delayed. Is, is the Office of Civil Rights going to look into Flint? Because a lot of people have been saying this is sort of the environmental justice incident of the last century. I mean, it, this would seem like a, a situation where the Office of Civil Rights would be sort of perfectly suited to take an action here. Are they, are they, have they already started looking into the Flint incident, uh, the Flint crisis, or will they at some point in the near future? Yeah, this has been cited as a clear case of environmental racism by a Flint Water Crisis Task Force in Michigan. The EPA is considering investigating the Flint water crisis. That is a process that's ongoing. They've received complaints about water in Flint, at least two that we know of, but they haven't decided definitively to investigate, to decide whether or not they can investigate something, whether it's under their jurisdiction. It has to meet certain qualifications. And so right now, they're pulling information from a wide variety of sources, including their own efforts on the ground in Flint, uh, to understand and really be able to justify going in and investigating. But while the Office of Civil Rights considers going into Flint, there's an argument that if it had been functioning properly in the first place, the crisis never would have happened. A Flint resident filed a water quality complaint with the office in February of 2015, long before the media started paying attention. The office didn't even respond to the complaint until well into 2016. But according to Rachel, pinning the entire crisis on inaction by the Civil Rights Office would be going too far. When you talk to environmental justice advocates, it's not clear if it could have been prevented simply by someone saying, there's something wrong with my water. And that complaint that we we believe we know about focused on a completely different water issue. It's not clear if that would have made a difference. But what environmental justice advocates have said and what lawyers have said and former officials have said repeatedly and clearly is that EPA is responsible for the systemic issues in its office. If they had actually effectively been enforcing this law, that maybe that would have deterred or highlighted issues earlier to agencies like the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality, so this wouldn't have come about. So this crisis specifically, it's not clear. But the systemic issues, people are very, very comfortable saying that those are EPA's fault. So people are saying there's some systemic issues, sort of, you know, issues that that get at the core of the Office of Civil Rights here. What what is the EPA's response to this? What what have they said about, you know, here's why we're, you know, taking decades to investigate. Here's why we haven't been able to enforce Title VI, you know, or do they, you know, do they take the stance that everything is fine and this Office of Civil Rights is working as it should? The EPA has acknowledged that they have problems in this office. They are going through and have been going through for a while now an overhaul of the office. Leadership in the office has changed a couple of times over the last couple of years. They've put out a draft strategic plan on how to make their office more most efficient and most effective. So they've definitely acknowledged that there is room for improvement here, but that's pretty much the extent. They haven't said, you know, this is why we think this is happening. They've said, we can do better and we're going to try. So they, they've acknowledged the problem and they have, I guess, sort of a, an initial plan to try to correct the problem, but that's, I guess, where they're at. Yeah, I think that they're in the process of defining a path forward, and they're trying 
on the Flint water case and on other cases to move and address these issues with the knowledge that maybe they didn't act as effectively as they could have in the past. So the EPA's Civil Rights Office continues to investigate a possible investigation into Flint. Meanwhile, there are other venues where people are facing consequences for their roles in the crisis, and those venues are the courts. There are a wide variety of ways that people are looking to hold others accountable in this crisis. Uh, Among them, Susan Hedman, who is the Region 5 EPA administrator, resigned. And she resigned saying that not necessarily as an omission of guilt, but saying that her presence clearly was going to detract from the efforts to address the immediate needs of the water crisis. Um, And that was back early in 2016. So there have been a couple of resignations here and there. Um, There's also accountability through investigations being conducted uh, by the Federal Justice Department and the Michigan State Attorney General. Um, And the results of those, we've really only seen results so far from the State Attorney General's office, who has released three rounds of charges to a wide number of state and local employees. Um, Some of them are criminal, some of them are not, uh, but those are in the process of going through the legal system. They're in courts now. Could there be more charges at the at the state level? Could the attorney general in Michigan, uh, you know, continue to charge more people with, with criminal and, I guess, civil charges? He's made it very clear that this is not the end of his investigation, and he is looking to uh, hold every person accountable who really had a role in this crisis. So criminal charges are being filed as a result of Flint, but somewhat ironically, those charges aren't tied to violations of the federal Safe Drinking Water Act. Rachel says, for the most part, prosecutors filing criminal charges related to Flint haven't really been relying on environmental laws. So there's a wide variety of charges being brought against different people. Some are civil and some are criminal. While those range for different people, there are charges, several, that include tampering with documents or at least knowing about documents and not acting on them. One of the charges that the Michigan State Attorney General most recently brought had to do with a report that highlighted problems in children's blood lead levels. And in Flint, that was apparently kind of discarded in place of a new report on the same issue that didn't highlight that same problem. And so some of those officials in the state health department, as well as the state environment department, are being held accountable for issues along those lines. So it's, I guess it gets back to the classic, you know, who knew what, when kind of questions. Yeah, and what a lot of attorneys have said is, you know, these investigations, they have to go methodically, and they don't necessarily go as quickly or as transparently as the public would like, but they really do work from the bottom up because that's how you figure out who knew what and who can reasonably be held responsible for what. And One thing that several attorneys have made clear is that bringing criminal charges, especially under the Safe Drinking Water Act, there won't be likely criminal charges under the Safe Drinking Water Act. They would have to come under different criminal provisions under federal law, at least. Um, Why is that? Because under the Safe Drinking Water Act, the provisions are incredibly limited, and it has it has to do with actually tampering with the water supply rather than with criminal intent for 
lying to federal officials or altering documents for a federal investigation or lying to the EPA when they were reporting what they were doing in the crisis. Like, these are the types of things that they could feasibly look at. But former federal officials have said and made very clear that just because the Justice Department has acknowledged that it's investigating and the Michigan State Attorney General have now acknowledged that they're investigating, that they really do need to find a high level of proof and meet a very high bar to come to some of the charges that the public has really cried out for. Bloomberg BNA reporter Rachel Levin. For more of her reporting on environmental justice, visit our website at bna.com. You can find the latest news on these and other issues at Bloomberg BNA's Daily Environment Report, a source for comprehensive coverage of the day's top environmental news. Start a free trial of Daily Environment Report by visiting bna.com slash dailypodcast. That's bna.com slash daily hyphen podcast. Parts for Billion was produced by myself with help from Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The theme music for Parts for Billion is A Message by Jazar. It was used under a Creative Commons attribution share like license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.